gentlemen and enbies uh, welcome, welcome welcome we are here for i believe the 11th episode of the cage fight podcast i should really get that number down i've been saying it for weeks now <laughs> uh, yeah i think it's 11 because it's the 11th episode four weeks in a row yeah. uh 11 is just a great number uh, it's like two ones next to each other but uh, looks nice if this is 11, I should have pointed out last week, we're in double digits! We're in double digits. <laughs> we are seven episodes away from being legal. Um, as of episode 18, we'll be chain-smoking cigarettes on every episode. Oh, yeah. While we not talk. in Illinois, you won't. <laughs> uh, good thing we're not in Illinois. Um, we're on the Pacific Coast Highway. I don't know. I don't know when that. Wait, what's going on in Illinois? <laughs> they uh, upped the smoking age to 21, I think. Oh, really? really? I didn't know that. Well, uh, real quick, I should go around before we start going into nonsense and introduce everybody. So, um, up, up on the boards. We're not allowed to introduce ourselves anymore. Uh, nope, nope. <laughs> it's all me, baby. Up on the boards, we got our man, D. Wayne the Rock Robinson. <laughs> I hope he's not it's introducing all of us this way. <laughs> I, oh, uh, to, uh, to, to, to my right, Boston? to my right, we got sick Zach Paddywhack riding in a Cadillac. <laughs> Okay, I'm a little more happy with it. <laughs> and uh, across from me, we've got a f- former Dream Theater drummer, Mike Portnoy. <laughs> Hell yeah! I was in Avenged Sevenfold. <laughs> G4, Delta Formation. <laughs> oh, God. Corella's Mandolin sucks. <laughs> a remix. Pure trash. You bitches! You bitches! He's wrong. You bitches! Captain Corelli was the better one. What's up to the G-Force gang? I, I like the four explosions. That was a nice touch. I was going to add a fifth, but I was so fucking pissed about Captain Corelli's mandolin making it through that I couldn't even... I had to shut my computer. Uh, so shout out to G-Force gang. Um, so Captain Corelli gets four explosions out of five. <laughs> uh, four explosions out of five as far as... Um, what movie made me want to blow my own skull out? Oh, um, yeah. And Captain Corelli's mandolin got four out of five explosions. <laughs> I don't know, man. See, I'm. I think I'm more on uh, the Corelli gang than I am on the the G Force gang. And that's uh, years from now. That will be called the wrong side of history. So <laughs> I, uh, I hope you're comfortable there. Um, I'm very comfortable over there with my friendly singing fascists. Uh, also, I'd like to point out... At least there's no fucking talking guinea pigs. <laughs> hey, that's the biggest problem with it, uh, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but I'd like to point out that Dave said, it's my birthday, and we collectively didn't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, nobody said happy birthday or even acknowledged it, and I am pointing it out now, but this is all I have to say about it. Let's continue. <laughs> all right. Happy birthday, Dave. I'll, I'll say that. Even though even though your birthday was like two weeks ago. <laughs> like, happy I'm birthday. so drunk, I'm not even paying attention, to be real. Happy birthday month, Dave, you old sack of shit. Dave celebrates his birthday the entire month of his birthday. So, And he celebrates by wearing the same pair of sweatpants the entire time without washing them. And as you said, his birthday was two weeks ago, so when I walked in here, it was just like a 
blast to the face of like yeah they're pretty ripe they Did are... you know why they call them sweatpants <laughs> uh well i i know why they call them sweatpants but there's a reason why they don't call them uh dried cum pants uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, what do you do when you're making the <laughs> you're supposed to sweat in a motherfucker <laughs> when i'm making whoopee with myself <laughs> is that what you're gonna say <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of seeing those compilations of those old 70s game shows making whoopee <laughs> and they everybody blushed whenever you said the words making whoopee in yeah. the 70s which is uh i mean nowadays 10 year olds are coming up to me like hey have you fucked <laughs> i'm like jesus christ get out stop because uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to admit to, that he hasn't to these 10 year olds because they got him beat already <laughs> these 10 year olds are slaying way more tang than i am i'll tell you that right now what are you, Brian Singer? <laughs> oh no! And there we go. We've got, we got one off uh, right off the gate. Don't worry, there'll be more. <laughs> there'll, there'll be plenty more. Um, Until just like, Brian Singer's in jail, we will be raising awareness of all the things he does with children. <laughs> yes. And why is he not in jail? Uh, is it money? Is it fame? Uh, we're gonna dive into it uh, in between episodes like twelve and twenty, and maybe a little bit today. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyways, we, we should get to the actual topic of this podcast, which is the movies Amos and Andrew and Looking Glass. Hey, I just want to say real fast that we have some really good news on the uh, the fucking national, sorry, I'm drunk, uh, national pleasure front. Um, uh-huh. Big boy Arlo Steele has rejoined the band. Ooh. Big Arlo. That's good news. His uh, beautiful vocal style is really what I am. Um... One of the shining parts of, of that band, if that's a thing. It's a shining example for vocalists everywhere and what they should He's be doing. He's just a powerful, powerful rock and roll vocalist. And, you know, I respect him a lot for that. You know, I understand that he has ambitions beyond powerful Nicolas Cage rock and roll. But he, um, he says he wants to focus on his side project as well, which is a... Um, he wants to get back to the folk circuit where he uh, he performs with an acoustic guitar and a harmonica. And it's actually, it's, imagine a very, very powerful Bob Dylan. It's kind of like that. Ooh. Like powerful as in jacked? Like really jacked Bob Dylan? Yeah. Because yeah, pretty much. Jacob Dylan already exists. Uh, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he's pretty ripped. I, I think Bob Dylan is powerful in the sense of like... It, the Obi-Wan, like, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. Someone struck down Woody Guthrie, and it <laughs> and inhabited itself into Dylan, who is a force ghost. And uh, Let's yeah. remember, what was Woody Guthrie's son's name? Arlo. Holy oh my shit. god. We were wrong this saying, whole time. I'm not trying to be a truther or anything, but just think about that for a minute. Whoa. Arlo Steele. Man. Oh. Anyways, you can guys can do your stupid podcast, whatever. <laughs> All right, uh, fuck you, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, crappy uh, birthday. I retract my happy birthday, and I um, apologize to everybody who hates folk music who's listening. Um, Bob Dylan uh, will be killed uh, by the end of this episode. So, um, so Amos and Andrew, first movie we're going to talk about today. I think this little doozy here, rated PG thirteen, uh, came out in the year nineteen ninety three. Which was, uh, you know, first year into the Clinton presidency, um, I believe. Yeah, uh, it was a, a momentous year. It was uh, the year this man was born. And I, for the listener, I pointed to uh, the guy at my right. 
which uh, uh, if you want to know who's at my right, go back and listen to the beginning where I talk about directions. <laughs> and uh, is it smack attack? What if you just ruin people's like vision in their mind of how we record where they're like, oh, yeah, Zach is always on the left. And now you just fucked it up for everyone. Yeah, yeah see, some people are really intense about that. All I got to say about is these are the facts and, you know. Also, in my mind's eye, Zach was a 75-year-old black woman. <laughs> yeah, see, you also ruined that for people. Mm. And well, we're doing this for the people. We're doing this for the people, and here we are shitting all over their lives. You know what? If, you know, if, if that's how they feel about it, then they're going to have to deal with it. I'm, I'm a man of the people, and I believe the best thing we can do for the people is give them the truth. And sometimes the truth is that you suck. <laughs> but we all know the real truth. Zandali sucks. <laughs> um, Not going to say it was good. He's still going to say it was better than Left Behind. <laughs> Zandali uh, is, correct me if I'm wrong, French for Captain Corelli's Mandolin. <laughs> Oh, um, no, I believe it's... Uh, I can't wait for the last episode of this podcast where we watch Deadfall and GeForce. Honestly, I, hey, if you look at the way the bracket's laid out, I think if those two movies go against each other, it's before the final round, unfortunately. But so we all know that's be... the true final round. <laughs> yeah, if, if that matchup happens, we can just end the podcast right there because mm. anything else straggling around the bracket doesn't matter at that point. Well, there's always the third place round or winner. Um, That's true. Which we will have a special extra episode for that, I believe. If you guys are down, I haven't discussed this with either of you, but I'm signing you up. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I am busy that year. Oh, okay. Unless the third round matchup is Dying of the Light versus Zandali. Oh, I see. I may kill myself. <laughs> um... G getting back on topic, uh, director Mac E. Max Fry, um, a man well known for directing some shit. I don't know if you know him. Good for you. I don't. He's a, <laughs> he's the delivery guy from Futurama. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He got frozen. Oh, dude, he was only around for six more years after this movie was made, and then now he's in a he's tank. He's in the somewhere. future. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so production companies: Castle Rock Entertainment. And New Line Cinema, two big ones during the '90s. The but. real deal. Yeah, I mean this. This definitely felt like um, I, I didn't really look into uh, how this did in the box office, but it felt like a movie I would have gone to see if I was, uh, you know, alive in 1993. And uh, well, I mean, I was alive in 1993, but I didn't have like a developed penis or the ability to drive. <laughs> So still don't still. I mean, yeah, I can I can drive, but not with my penis. <laughs> oh, man, you got to try it sometime. It's 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 really something <laughs> like, I don't know. You just swing it hard to the right and it's like, bam. Oh, and, you know, you can we're, end we're, this bit. Yeah, we're going to cut that. We're gonna cut that. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can end this here, but it's not a bit. I have seen Nick do that. So, um, so budget of 17 million dollars. Box office gross of $9.7 million. Oops. So that's another Cage movie not in the black, in the red. See, I should have been alive in... Why do I keep saying I wasn't alive in 1990? <laughs> I've been wondering that too. Oh yeah, I forgot to say, he was born, you were like one... I'm doxing you all. They're all going to know your birthday, oh, your no. age. Your... Uh, and my social security number at the time... <laughs> I, I will say though, for this movie, I'm a little surprised that I didn't make money. 
Yeah, it seems like one of those big budget, you know, like uh, comedy movies with fairly big actors in it. I mean, yeah. Samuel Jackson wasn't real big at the time. I don't think he got very big until Pulp Fiction, which was like the year after this. And Nicolas Cage was pretty big, I think, already. I mean, he'd made some cameos. He was in... That, that's really the guy I should know more about in this sense. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, uh, and I mean, unless they spoiled this in the trailer, I don't know who's not going to see uh, the voice of Chucky in blackface. Uh, because You mean Wormtongue? Yeah. Wait, uh, what? I didn't know. He's from know. Uh, Lord of the Rings. No, the creepy dude in Lord of the Rings and Helm's Deep, who's like the advisor to the king. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's the guy in blackface. <laughs> Wait, I did not remember the blackface. I might have zoned for that or been taken a note. Oh, uh, do you remember the it chiefs? burned into my memory. Yeah. <laughs> the chief's uh, like assistant guy oh, that who fucks guy. up so much. I see. Okay. Oh, yeah. I okay. Because it's for stealth. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was for stealth. I see now. Okay. I didn't think of that. I understood it as a joke of about blackface, <laughs> but I wasn't thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, shit. I see. Uh, that Nick, guy was amazing in this movie, by the way. <laughs> Nick comes from a, a place of privilege where he doesn't uh, acknowledge blackface when he sees it. I don't at all. Like, it's, um, uh, I don't know how to say it. I don't it. see color, including whatever paint you're wearing <laughs> on your face. <laughs> you're just except a dude with when, a painted face to me. Except when Drake does it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, then push a T bodies that fool. <laughs> uh, and we do have Drake's uh, estranged son on later this episode to talk about <laughs> Looking Glass. Um, <laughs> so stick around for that. But yeah, Brad, I think his name is Brad Dourif. I don't know how to say it, but he's the voice of Chucky in the Child's Play movies. And um, I Wait, didn't. Did Brian Stinger direct those movies? <laughs> uh, they're actually about his life. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> To be honest, I did not know he was the voice of Chucky. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, he's, I didn't know he was the voice of Chucky or Worm's Tongue. <laughs> he's he's been in other stuff, but I think most people remember him as the guy in blackface in Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so that should be at the top of his Wikipedia page, guys. If you uh, if it's not there, please edit it and put it up there. <laughs> yes, uh, because I don't think it get, it can't get taken down because uh, there's photographic evidence of it. So. When this uh, episode releases, I'm going to check Wikipedia, and if it's not up there within a week, I, oh yeah, I he was in. I'm going to be disappointed on our fans. He was in Dune. Yeah, Dune. Where's my car? This guy's was in a lot of shit. Yeah, Dune is shit. Got him. Okay, <laughs> Dick. But uh, who else is in this movie? We got um, Samuel L. Is it Jackson? Um, and it, I thought it was Andrew Jackson. Uh, I thought it was Miss Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It was, it was Amos Jackson. and Andrew Jackson, right? Ooh, yes. And then, yeah, he was apologizing to his wife. And, um, and Outcast actually made that song for this movie. But uh, <laughs> Dabney Coleman is in this movie, and uh, I didn't realize that was a real person. Uh, <laughs> um, I thought that was a comedy bang bang bit. Um, but he is the police chief. Um, and then you got some other people fucking... Uh, what's his face? Uh, from Breaking Bad, Giancarlo Esposito. Oh, Giancarlo Esposito. I uh, saw his name in the credits, but I didn't recognize him in the movie. Was he, he the the Reverend? Yeah, he's okay. the guy who. That was the only person I thought it could be, but he looked different. I guess he's a lot younger than he was in Breaking yeah. Bad. But... And I think he was supposed to be playing like a black guy, which I don't know if he is. He's uh, Italian. Okay, so uh, nineteen ninety three. Black Italian, Nick. Nineteen ninety three is an interesting time. Uh. Scarlett Johansson would have done great in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She could have played any character. Um, 
So yeah, um, that's the cast. I don't have any trivia about this one. There, I mean, other than the fact that like it's their names are supposed to be like Amos and Andy, which is like some old yeah radio show. It's an which, old radio program which was basically the vocal version of blackface, where right. two white radio announcers pretended to be black people. The characters Amos yeah. and Andrew, a- Amos and Andy, not Andrew, but um, yeah. Well, I guess Andy was short for Andrew, but in the show. <laughs> but uh yeah yeah and it was controversial uh for like the latter part of the 50s and 60s until it got canceled and i believe 1960 because of an outcry from the black community of white dudes pretending to be black people <laughs> yeah vocal uh, blackface i guess i don't know how else to call it or black voice that sounds kind of <laughs> wrong <laughs> i'm not gonna um but yeah i don't that's all i have for trivia about this movie as well was that uh for reviews and that's a good example of vocal blackface (laughs) (laughs) um rotten tomatoes gave this 20 percent on the tomato meter audiences gave it 31 percent reviews are a lot worse than i thought they would be honestly uh i thought reviews were kind of all over because like rotten tomatoes was like the 20 but then like imdb has at like a six uh but then, like, user reviews are, like, four or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like people can't agree on this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a uh, controversial flick. Yes, it's it's quite divisive. <laughs> um, I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, it had some good funny bits. I do like the the bondage gear being used to tie people up that occurs later <laughs> yeah. in the movie. I guess we'll get to that. But um, first, we got to launch into something here that... We haven't done in a long time, and I just remembered when we did it, and it's uh, the Cage-style report. We're going to talk a little bit about what Cage is wearing, what he's rocking, and how he looks, so here we go. Are you ready for this? Uh, <laughs> I am so ready. Um, this was the thing? Uh, yeah, it was for a second. and it, in, we, in the second episode? We oh, did okay. it. We should have <laughs> And then forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> We should have kept doing it, but uh, I think we were distracted by his forehead in a lot of movies, and so we didn't really take note of what he was wearing. Well, isn't he just wearing like a flannel? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, sorry, sorry. We'll get to this. So, Cage is rocking a lovely brown plaid flannel with with an olive green t-shirt and blue jeans. It's uh, quite exquisite, you know, and I, I will say, maybe I'm spoiling a little bit here, but in our next movie, he's also rocking some flannels, and oh, yeah. we got the flannel connection between these. Now, as we get halfway through the movie, he switches over to a gray button-down t-shirt with kind of a loose, baggy 90s fit, and a brown pattern tie that's like 70s inspired, but not as wide, and a pair of black slacks, and that's everything he wears in this movie. Yeah, so, so. His, his first uh, outfit um, screams... Uh, I just got out of jail. <laughs> and his second outfit uh, kind of implies I'm probably going back. Yeah. Um, so Because I'm stealing this guy's clothes. And uh, yeah, so not exactly flashy, high fashion, but, you know, solid, timeless staples. That's yeah. all I'm saying. I That's all I'm saying. This man has style. Yeah, this this outfit, you could take this outfit out of 1993, drop it into 2019, and nobody would realize that you just got out of jail. <laughs> Since this is the Nick Cage style report, or whatever you're calling it, can we just say, Nick Cage, just shave your head. <laughs> uh, 
Like, Maybe. He's got weird, crazy hair. Just shave his head. He'd look <laughs> probably great bald. See, I, I, I agree with that for basically everything he made after the year 2000. He would probably be better with a shaved head. But in the 90s, his hair was still all right, and he could pull it off. No, <laughs> even looking at it now, like looking at this, where it's he, he looks he's like shoveled there. He's supposed to, <laughs> but it, like he's he has a weird thing where like he's not balding. Mm-hmm. His hairline just starts in the middle of his head. Yeah, it's <laughs> and true. Just it, just shave your head. In his early years, he tried to kind of cover that up with a bit of a comb over, but <laughs> yeah, it's just true. shave it. Like Bruce Willis did it and looked yeah. great. I was gonna say Bruce Willis is a great example. Because, uh, I mean, Bruce Willis, Willis looked pretty studly both ways. Uh, Nicolas Cage, uh, I, I don't know. He's he's kind of all over the place. I think I've Nick seen Cage, him with hair too lo- much to picture him bald at this point. But I, I love Nick Cage. And obviously we're, what, 11 episodes in? Yep. But he's he's got bad hair. Like, just get rid of it. <laughs> well, then, uh, I can't wait to weigh in on his hair in Looking Glass, because um, <laughs> I thought it was kind of cute. Um, All right. Well, I think that concludes the Cage Style Report. We'll see you in about 45 minutes when we do the Style Report for the next film. And uh, maybe not 45 minutes. We'll see how long this goes. And right. then we'll see you again in another 10 episodes. <laughs> yeah, when we remember again. Every 10 episodes, we do a great style report that's so good. We don't have to do it again for a minute. So, um, so I guess we'll get into the, the plot summary here. Um, so it starts out, Cage is in jail. Uh, one thing I want to point out, he's got an eight ball tattoo on his arm that really looks like someone just drew it on with a Sharpie. <laughs> and, uh, it's called prison tattoos, uh, and they're actually pretty badass. They actually do really good henna tattoos. In prison. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, well, the, the great thing about henna is that you don't have to... Uh, tie yourself down to one prison gang, you know? If You, you want to play around a bit. Yeah, play the field. Like, yeah. oh, no, I'm going to be like a Nazi for a while. And then after yeah. that, kind of, you're like, no, I... If you decide Hell's to be like Angels a, are pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> you could be a friggin' Latin king or whatever. <laughs> we know tons of prison gangs. <laughs> <laughs> what if we just spent ten minutes listing off prison gangs? <laughs> yeah, you could be in the fucking uh, Belushi's Belugas. Oh, yeah, you couldn't even come up with a third one. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. He came up with one, but we're not going to talk about that anymore. I was a member of the Belushi's Belugas for a while, and they, uh, they're they out and looking for me, and I don't want to bring any attention to this. Um, so I, Nick, who was born in 1994. No! His address is, uh, I don't remember what we said your address was. One, two, three, four, Ida Claire Thelmore Drive. Yes. Hard to forget. You can even sing it right into Google Maps, and it'll bring you here. Um, Okay, uh, I just doxed myself and admitted that I was a member of the Belushi's Belugas, so please don't kill me, Mr. Beluga. <laughs> oh, I thought this was a, like, Belushi thing. No. Oh, no. They just picked that because they were sad about Jim Belushi dying, and they or really John lo- Belushi. They really love According to Jim. <laughs> so. But they are a bunch of beluga whales, and... Okay. So uh, Amos and Andrew. Yeah, <laughs> Amos we, and I we managed to get one line into the plot before we deviated. <laughs> but uh, Then we cut to, from Cajun Jail, Samuel L. Jackson, driving a nice car to a nice house that apparently he just bought. And uh, he rolls on in, 
and some white people who are kind of racist are like, oh, there's a black guy in that house. Kind of racist? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're really racist. I believe <laughs> the quote from them is, when you see a black guy in a house and he's messing with stereo equipment, you know what's up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what's up. Yeah, they, uh, they freak the fuck out um, because... This is a remote island, and or I don't know where the fuck it. I it's think an it's island supposed to be somewhere in the northeast, like because it's an island that's between the U.S. and Canada. Okay, so I, I think it's probably off the coast of Maine, or maybe it, Washington. Don't know. I, I think this is the thing I love about this movie, though. It's just that it's like one misunderstanding after another that just keeps snowballing to make yeah. you look worse and yeah. worse. Yeah. And it's, I do like that style of comedy. It's really like great seeing. Uh, everybody's reactions when they realize that they've initiated this uh, bout of racial profiling and it turns out it's not uh, anywhere close to what they thought <laughs> not at all and everybody kind of finds out piece by piece that uh they're about to look really fucking stupid <laughs> yeah and they're all trying to cover it up yeah but yeah so uh they Oh, also, I'd like to point out that these people who racially profiled Samuel Jackson repeatedly insist that they are not racist. No, <laughs> they're not racist. But when you see a black guy in a house, you know what's going down. You, yeah. And to, uh, in their defense, when you are being clearly racist, you should keep saying, <laughs> I am not a racist. Because if you say I'm not racist, you anything you do from that point forward isn't racist. It's true. Exactly. It's huh. a blanket statement. And that's how you get elected president. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For me, those were that was my first sentence. So anything I do in my life is okay. Well, good, good work. <laughs> you really covered your ass there. I, I really did, and you know what? I'm using my powers for good by watching this movie. Um. So uh, the cops show up afterwards, and they come to assume through some more misunderstanding that somehow that Samuel Jackson is holding the family that lives there hostage, and. Uh, yeah, because the so the people that call the police know the previous owners of this house. Um, and apparently they never told their neighbors that they were selling it. Yeah, <laughs> and so they see this nice car, and they assume it was like a graduation present or something for this rich couple's kids. And so they're like, oh my god, this guy's got the kids in there, and <laughs> they're being held hostage. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, as as the policemen surround the house to deal with the hostage situation, one of them, who's like Donaldson or Donnie or something, he puts on blackface. <laughs> <laughs> he puts on blackface because it is a nighttime covert uh, mission. Yeah, and he's um, trying to have camouflage and hide in the dark. Yeah. And, you know, instead of investigating, like going up to the house and being like, hey, is everything all right? They decide, no, this guy kidnapped them. We need to surround that building. <laughs> yep. They, they freak the fuck out immediately. And, because uh, it's an election year. <laughs> yeah, it's an election year, and the sheriff is running for re-election. Is sheriff, or was it something else? For sheriff. For sheriff. Yeah. For sheriff. Yeah. Okay. So then, sheriffs have to get elected. Uh, so they can technically have no policing experience whatsoever and be elected sheriff. I'm running for sheriff, I'd like to point out as well, of... Uh, of um, New York. Why not? Why the fuck not? Go for it. <laughs> I'd vote for you. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you've got my vote. And if I have to move to New York to vote for you, I will. Which is a far way because we are on the West Coast. We are on the West, <laughs> West Coast, Coast of the United States of America. 
And oh, shit. I thought we were on the west coast of East Africa. <laughs> I thought we were on the west coast of works. Russia. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck we are, but uh, I'll vote for you no matter where you are. Oh, uh, thank you. That's what I'm saying. So, uh, that the, the black-faced cop bumps into the car and sets off the alarm. So, Jackson walks out and tries to turn off the car alarm. And the guy, uh, he pops up and starts yelling, like, police, uh, like... Put th- put down the weapon, which is just his car keys. Yes, and they can't hear each other because they're uh, both standing on opposite ends of a car with an alarm blaring. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jackson points the key fob to turn off the alarm, and the cop's like, "He's shooting! He's about to shoot me with a gun!" Starts shooting at him. And they all unload on that yeah, guy. They all just fucking unload. Um. So Jackson runs back into the house. And uh, the cop shoots the car to turn off the car alarm. Yes. The, the, well, the alarm eventually goes off, and then he bumps into the car again. So he shoots the hood of the car repeatedly until the alarm stops. Uh, meanwhile, Samuel L. Jackson is uh, pretty sure he's about to die, and he has no idea why. Which I think is one of my favorite scenes in this movie, where he calls the police yes. to say that his house is under attack. Yes. Yeah, and isn't there's like a bit where like the phone line isn't connected yet, but oh yeah, the phone wasn't connected yet, but it it'll show up a little bit later. the The police are like, we're gonna run a line into that house. We've contacted the phone company, so we can talk to them. But yeah, um, but yeah, first some reporters arrive on the scene, just some local news reporters. Cop tells them there's a hostage situation. Oh, there we go. The phone company hooks them into the house, and. Uh, the cop realizes through the conversation with Samuel Jackson that Samuel Jackson is named uh, Andrew Sterling. He's a famous writer and like black political activist, I believe. And he's on the cover of Time magazine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that they fucked up big time. <laughs> so, and you see, uh, you can see uh, police chief or whatever sheriff uh, Dabney Coleman's uh, butthole clinch so tight <laughs> yeah. um, when he realizes the hot water that he's in. Hot, hot water. Hot water. But yeah, so the the cops film that, or the reporters film that. They also film a conversation with Phil and Judy, who are the racist white couple that called the cops on Andrew in the first place. And that's where they say, like, when there's a black guy in the house, you you know he's stealing. So so there's video evidence of them being racist and (laughs) accusing this rich man of uh, being a kidnapper. Yeah. Which, from Samuel Jackson's perspective, is just like he was at home, and then suddenly bullets, yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of bullets. He was asleep in a chair, <laughs> and then this started happening. Yeah. So uh, the the sheriff Dabney Coleman, who I don't remember his character's name, but he's Dabney Coleman now. <laughs> I didn't even know it before the start of it. Uh, you pointed it out a good three times. Chief Tolliver. Oh, Chief Tolliver. Okay. He comes up with a plan. So he goes back to jail where Cage is waiting, and he's, uh, he says, Cage, we'll let you go if you you got to go into this house and take the occupant hostage, then give yourself up, and we'll let you go on the next bus. <laughs> and then To Canada. Yeah, to, to Canada. So they give him a gun and send him out of the house, which I think they actually loaded, too. <laughs> yes, they, they let a man out of jail. They hand him a loaded gun. <laughs> it's a kidnap a black man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's simple. Um, this is police work. <laughs> you just don't understand. Yeah. You would understand if it was an election year for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, times are t- When it's an election year, you gotta look good. And you know what doesn't look good? 
uh, when a black guy doesn't get taken hostage <laughs> and you try to murder him. Yeah. Um, so, Cage, a Cage is named Amos, for the record, and Jackson is Andrew, so it's Amos and Andrew, and that's that the name reference of the movie. a little bit later. Hey, roll credits, we're done here. He did. Uh, hey, I reference CinemaSins, and everyone hates them now, so... Why, wait, why do people hate CinemaSins? Uh, I just see people complaining about how it's bad movie criticism, and, like, it's just annoying nitpicking, and it gets old, which I can understand. I... I personally think it's funny because of the annoying nitpicking, but yeah. Speaking of annoying nitpicking that gets old, I think we can all admit that the people who made Zandali worked really hard on that movie. <laughs> they can all, I hope they're all rotting in hell. <laughs> all right, let, let's not pick at the sore subject until we have to do it again. We, we have, have to watch to it again. We have to watch it again. <laughs> GeForce game. Uh, G, no, GeForce, I'm excited to watch again. Yeah. I'm not, but <laughs> I'm not excited for either of those again, personally. But we cut to Phil and Judy, who are at their house smoking weed, I believe. And yep. uh, they're like, this is a big thing. This deserves to be on the real news. So they call an even bigger news network and get them to send people out there. They're, sowing they're the doing seeds great. of their own destruction. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Cage goes in. He ties up Samuel Jackson and then does a weird thing where he chugs a beer and swings his head, and it reminds me of the opening of Zandali. We'll, we'll, we'll That's go true. Again. But, <laughs> but uh, Jackson believes that Cage is an assassin sent here to kill him because he's you know like a big black activist writer, and yeah. there's a pretty big track record of those types of people getting killed. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and he, I think he but. had just recently published. Um, some piece that was he did uh, the play yo brother where art thou oh yeah. yes yo brother where art thou and um so nice obviously play on words. white people are mad <laughs> as they get yep and he kneeled during the national anthem too and yeah nobody was having that he uh he's doing great <laughs> <laughs> so big news network shows up and the, the cops start talking to the reporters uh, Cage sees this on TV and realizes that with all this publicity now that the cops probably aren't going to follow through on their deal and let him go. They, like, show his face and everything. And... Yeah. So he takes Jackson outside and demands to the cops, holding Jackson at gunpoint, one million dollars and a helicopter. Uh, so the cops are all like, all right. We'll get you your million dollars in a helicopter. <laughs> just wait here. So it's he, almost like this was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells, uh, they go back inside and he talks to Jackson, tells him that he thought he was in Canada. But, so he went to the bank with a bunch of small bills to try and convert it to Canadian money. And the bank teller got suspicious and reported him. And that's why he was arrested and put in jail. So weird story. Is it true? We don't know. Maybe Amos is trying to play up sympathy from Andrew. <laughs> But yeah, I, it's the only time it's ever mentioned. I don't know. Probably. Yeah, honestly, I. Well, I think the whole point of that was just to sow the seeds of like he's bad at direction. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's done some naughty stuff. But you know what? Um, at the end of the day, he's a white guy, and he should be free. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's the view of the cops here too. But um, no, but uh. Yeah, so he's, um, yeah, it, that is true. That is the sowing the seeds of, that becomes a, an important thing going on. The cage is bad at directions. He doesn't know where he is or where he's going most of the time. Yes. So, uh, 
uh, eventually the sheriff er, busts in through the door and he holds Cage and he threatens him and he's like, you know, hey, he Cage is holding Jackson at gunpoint and he says, well, shoot that N-word. We don't want him on this island anyways. And then Jackson gets a little pissed about that and just knocks him out with a frying pan, knocks him out cold. And yeah. So I, I like that scene too, because like uh Nick Cage like lets him go and like is giving up basically. Mm-hmm. And then like the police chief turns around and says, like, Oh, sorry about that whole N-word and stuff, but you know, I was just in the moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's was, excusable. Yeah. I was just messing around, you know. <laughs> Class, why would a cop be it's, racist? It's locker room talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I bet he was from one of those shithole countries. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was heat of the moment, um, but for some reason, Samuel Jackson's still mad. Yeah. Just, that's, just a little what? mad about this the casual racism where he told him to murder him, too. <laughs> so, so, Jackson knocks him out. Cage tells Jackson that he needs him to get out. Uh, and uh, he, like, handcuffs him to himself at gunpoint, and then they run out of the back of the house and end up at Phil and Judy's place, but not before they tie up the sheriff and tape him up to a chair. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, nobody sees them leave, so everybody assumes that they're still in the house holding <laughs> the sheriff. For a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> holding the sheriff hostage. Uh, and they end up at Phil and Judy's house. I I think they're just intending to steal their car. Yeah. Yeah. But then they um, can't find the keys. Yeah. Can't find the keys. Um, and, uh, and Phil and Judy aren't home yet. So yet, yet. <laughs> yeah. Cage took a walkie with him and the cops from outside the house are like talking to him. Like, hey, what is, is the sheriff? Okay. What do you want? We'll get you your million dollars in helicopter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, an important bit that I didn't think was going to matter, but did end up mattering, Cage orders a pizza to the house so that when the pizza car gets there, they can steal it and drive off. And But just after they do that, Phil and Judy arrive home, and Cage takes them hostage. A lot of hostages going down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, it's okay, because uh, they're trash. But... <laughs> yeah. Hey, he was a lawyer for the Chicago 7. Oh, yes. I think this is also the point where the black community shows up. Oh, yeah. They first get word about it because they see the whole situation on the news. They show up a little bit later, but this is where, yeah, they're sitting at the table and the the reverend, I don't remember his name, uh, Um, character in the movie, but he is played by Giancarlo Esposito. Reverend Fenton Bunch. Reverend Fenton Bunch. Brunch. Oh, brunch. Mm. Best meal. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, they hear about it, and they're like, we are going to organize a march to this city to let him live in that house because, you know, the cops are trying to drive him out. The people there are trying to drive him out. I think he was saying, like, I told them about all those northern liberals, which, man. Um, anyways. Uh, I lost where I was in my summary. Hold on here. I've been... Just got to Judy and So we called the else. we called the pizza place. Um, we're holding What's-His-Face and Judy hostage. Um, and uh, Judy is asking uh, personal questions about uh, Andrew Sterling's life. At which point, this is another bit that I wasn't sure uh, where it came from or where it was going. But Nicolas Cage was like, yeah, he doesn't want to say it, but his wife is white. And mm. uh, Andrew Sterling is like... Well, hold on. Yeah. Um, and then they all died. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was all implying the whole uh, 
because I think he even like mentions it how it's like oh when uh black men become like rich and powerful or whatever they all just marry white women then yeah and yeah. Samuel Jackson wasn't confirming or denying <laughs> like the yeah time. he was saying nothing about it he was just talking about how it's a harmful stereotype and then you know or cage is saying like you're the whitest black guy i ever met and then yeah. he's saying like you know like uh i i don't ever say i forgot where i came from i know where i am you know like the, a big theme of this movie is trying to address racial stereotypes and yeah. stuff like that and uh uh i don't know do they succeed i feel like they do a halfway decent job sometimes it's good for 1993 i would say better yeah. than i was expecting for that time period but that's what i think was most surprising about this movie is just that this was a pretty old movie where like something like this could pro i could see coming out like today mm -hmm. and yeah. i mean it's working. still obviously extremely topical um, this is definitely a movie. Is that sad or? Uh, it, it, well, yeah, it's, it's very sad, but I mean, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's a tough issue that needs to go away. Um, and, uh, I don't know if, or how that happens because, uh, well, this white is people Nick, be racist. <laughs> this is Nick Cage trying his best. He's oh, yeah. trying his best. Uh, See, if this movie came out in 2019, the only difference would be that, like, a bunch of fucking rednecks would be, like, bitching about it on the internet and yeah, true. creating petitions <laughs> and, uh... And say how they're attacking the white America. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the only thing this movie was missing? Black Mermaid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trying uh, to I, really ruffle the feathers. I will say, I think this was especially relevant in 93, too, because this is one year after the L.A. riots which yeah. were after the beating of Rodney King. So, like, uh, I don't know. It's a big topical thing, especially about the relation between the police and uh, black men at that time, because, you know, if you don't know, the L.A. riots were after, like, three or four L.A. cops, like, beat Rodney King repeatedly while he was uh, a black man, Rodney King, while he was begging them to stop, and yeah. it was all caught on footage. But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Topical then, topical now. I mean, just like two years, three years ago, we had the whole Charlottesville rally and everything. It's uh, yeah, and the interesting uh, times we're living in. <laughs> countless amounts of black men murdered uh, in between those times. Oh, yeah. Also. So, uh, yeah, this movie still very relevant. And it did make me sad that it's still relevant. Um, but, you know, I'm just one uh, dumb white guy. So <laughs> I'm not helping so. <laughs> <laughs> it's true the the best place for um for us to have a discussion about race relations is on, on a panel of four white dudes well three white dudes and one white dude who buzzes in occasionally <laughs> all talking about nicholas cage probably yeah. one of the whitest guys we know all yeah. i want to say is that this movie ended racism <laughs> <laughs> it was done in 1993 that's it we i mean Think of what think of what else was going on in 1993. Friggin' uh, Bill Clinton was playing saxophone on the Arsenio Hall show, <laughs> and you're telling me that racism is still alive? Come on, <laughs> um, I'm but, sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Got heated. Uh, so out of the uh, when when they beat up the cop and tied him up, they took some stuff out of his pockets including his badge and uh um, yeah, his handcuffs and and the interview tape that he confiscated from the original reporters when he realized that the whole situation was a fuck up and he didn't want to get this out there anymore so they find that and uh the pizza girl finally arrives and uh speaking of topical this girl says she's 17 
and Cage makes some very Brian Singery <laughs> <laughs> comments to her about like you're very pretty and stuff like that. After he finds out she's seventeen, I would like to put yeah. it too. I thought it was funny too. The he asked like, "Do you have a boyfriend?" She's like, "Yeah." It's like. Do you have a boyfriend that you really like? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it really yeah. sounded like a setup for a bad porno. Yeah. And it, this was all after he found out she was 17 and it was creeping me out. But luckily, doesn't go any further. He hands her the tape and says, get this to a reporter. They'll know what to do with it. After they watch the tape in front of Judy and, and uh, Phil. Yeah. yeah, and it's just them trying to like backpedal like, oh, we didn't know. Yeah, we had no idea. And, uh, this, uh, see, I kind of thought that at some point in this movie, because they kept making a, f- a point about how Phil was a lawyer, I thought when this came out and Jackson realized this, so the cops are, were using Cage to save, you know, their own asses after they fucked up this whole situation, and Phil even says, you got a big lawsuit on your hands. I thought they were going to have it since Phil's a lawyer that he was going to work with them to try and, like, you know, yeah. get the lawsuit and he was going to redeem himself for his racism, but nope. Nope. Luckily, they don't do that. <laughs> So the cops storm the other house and realize that uh, Cage and Jackson are not there. But they find the other cop, Donaldson, the one who had the black face on. Yeah. And uh, uh, for some reason, he was poking around in the house. I have no idea why. Uh, Earlier, like he went in to try to rescue the uh, police chief on his own. Oh, yeah. Uh, Which it wasn't important. It wasn't. But uh, they do tell him, like, book him. That's Amos. <laughs> like, the, the sheriff yeah, makes they that cover call. his head. Yeah, cover his head and take him out. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Jackson's activist friends, the, the Reverend Brunch, has organized a large march of all the people, and they're all finally arriving to the island ready to do something. And uh, Torches in hand, ready to throw down. Yeah, and they see, like, Amos, Amos with quotes, mm. uh, be brought out. But they don't bring out Sterling, and they're all, like, chanting, like, how oh, yeah. they Let have to release out. Sterling yeah, and all release stuff. him. And then they set his house on fire. <laughs> yeah, there is a clash. They've, uh, they've got torches because they're, they're a mob. Mobs gotta have torches, yep. right? <laughs> and uh, and in, in the fight, like, a fight breaks out between one of them and a cop, and uh, his torch falls in and lights the curtains on fire, and Jackson's house burns down. <laughs> And I love that the reference reaction was just like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, damn, we got to get out of here. Yeah, like his wife is like, you set his house on fire. <laughs> he's just like, oh, no. Yet another oopsie. <laughs> but anyways, Cage and Jackson get the keys to Phil's car and they leave. Jackson says he's done. I'm not going anywhere with you. You found your way out. And Cage says some pretty racially insensitive things. And they have a little fight. And then... uh. Well, like, uh, Cage is saying, like, ah, you've been stereotyping me, too, kind of, and shit like that. But, uh... Reverse racism! (laughs) Sorry, sidebar. That term makes no fucking sense to me. It doesn't at all. (laughs) It's just racism. Yeah. (laughs) There's no reverse. Yeah, I don't... I don't understand it. But, um... Let's talk to Cage about it. (laughs) I feel like reverse racism would be like, man, all Chinese people are really nice. Like... (laughs) Or it'd be like militant, like, uh, all people are so equal, I can't tell them apart at all. Which is kind of racist, I guess, too. But, um... All these people of all kinds, they all look alike to me. (laughs) But, uh, Jackson, they have a scuffle, 
Uh, Jackson walks away with the last word, and he says, just shouldn't I be able to set up a stereo in my own home without being mistaken for a thief? And Cage is like, damn, you got me, son. Damn. Damn. <laughs> and that is... It, let's get a timestamp on that. That is where racism ended. Yeah, that was officially <laughs> the moment. So, uh, eventually Jackson is running from some bloodhounds uh, that the cop got to track him. and uh, Which I felt was like really unnecessary for this yeah, plot at this point. But yeah, yeah, it felt really thrown in for some reason. I didn't really know what was going down there. But Cage swings by, sees that, picks him up in the Gilman's car. And they drive and see Jackson's house is burned down, send the bloodhounds out after the police chief by having him sniff his badge. It was confusing and unnecessary. Yeah, I don't know what the point of the bloodhounds were. Yeah, I feel like uh, when they were writing it, they were just like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if they got revenge on the sheriff by sending his own bloodhounds after him because they have his wallet? And then they tried to, like, piece together how that happens, and it just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Uh, unnecessary, but then the pizza lady gets the tape to the reporter who originally filmed it, and, uh, he turns it over to the big news networks that are there, and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, Mr. Sheriff Man's career is probably over, uh, from that, but, uh... Oh, shucks. <laughs> Cage and Jackson get away, and, uh, it ends with a Sir Mix-a-Lot song that he <laughs> recorded for this movie. Yes. <laughs> Which I was like, oh, what? what's Sir Mix-a-Lot song is this? It sounds kind of cool and G-funky. And then I listened to the lyrics and I'm like, he is rapping about yep. this movie. <laughs> and that's what made me love this movie. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, it's called Suburban Nightmare. Go look it up. I can't Check play it, it here because it's probably copyrighted. But uh, Yeah, but he's dead, right? Is no? I think he got no, squished by a really <laughs> big ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then it's only 70 Mix-a-Lot's years. Mix-a-Lot's in trouble? The... I believe it's... Uh, 70 years from the death of the author before you can use something as copyright, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll fact check. <laughs> so, overall thoughts on this movie, guys? I love this movie, I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. <laughs> I, I thought this was a pretty good movie. I did enjoy it. I, I was pleasantly surprised, too, because given the last, like, six movies we've watched, I... yeah. I was expecting more trash, and I, I don't know, I sat down and watched this, and I didn't walk away feeling like like I just exerted myself physically. <laughs> I have to butt in here. Sir Mix-a-Lot's alive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know he's alive. Oh, I did not. <laughs> Rest in peace, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Um, he, was, he died doing what he loved most, and that was getting squished by a big ass. <laughs> um, and I, I mean, butts on his face, and he died. <laughs> this... this <laughs> This matchup was uh, a nice change of pace um, uh, after last week, uh, and let's let's not speak of the abomination that occurred. Um, I was I was feeling a little bit defeated. It, I, I'll say like as I've said before, like I felt like this movie could be like watched today and everything. Like it kind of still holds up for the most part, uh, but just like I I don't know, it was just. A fun movie. I'm surprised that this isn't like watched more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Not. I'm not saying like it should be like one of those like oh classic films of all time, but like I'm surprised I haven't seen this movie before. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I, I thought it was decent. I I didn't laugh a ton. I prefer Trapped in Paradise. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to think that this is the spiritual successor to that movie. Mm-hmm. I 
I felt like this movie, like it didn't have a lot of jokes. It yeah. was a lot of situational comedy. Yeah. More. Yeah. It was like uh, kind of, I don't want to say like cringe humor, but like uh, at certain points made me like so uncomfortable that I was laughing. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, just like throughout that, like when the movie when like it starts and like they start like assaulting the house and everything, you're just like, ooh, like they they are gonna have the biggest egg on their face, and like <laughs> yeah. it keeps getting worse for them, and you're just like, oh, it's just stop, just yeah, stop. It, it it ramps up very quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, what? and oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, yeah, I I didn't hate it. Um, it wasn't my favorite, but it was a uh, it was a good watch. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I uh, I don't regret watching it like like I have for some of these movies like Sunny in particular which I'm gonna keep coming back to that one that's probably my least favorite movie we watched <laughs> up to this point. But, this is um, probably in my top five of all the movies we watched. I could put that up there. I uh, see. This movie made me realize what Captain Corelli's mandolin <laughs> was oh, missing, and that was uh, blackface. <laughs> okay. Um. So. so uh, one thing I will say, uh, first off, oh, this came out in 93, same year as Deadfall. This was a good year for Cage. <gasps> wow. Maybe that's why. <laughs> uh, the other thing I will say, number. I do have one mild problem with the racial discussion in this movie, and that's that it kind of falls back on the Hollywood trope where racism is just something that bad people do and that they should stop doing it rather than it being like a systemic injustice thing but it does have some of those systemic elements through like the readiness of everybody to immediately assume i i don't think uh, it it did the whole if you're racist you're bad thing because i felt like all the cops in this movie weren't like bad cops like doing shady shit it was like they were responding to what they thought was a crime or whatever and then when they realized they were just trying to cover their own ass it wasn't because like they were bad per se oh yeah that's I, I think that's that's well, uh, all cops are bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, one of the things I was trying to get at there was like, I get that, but it's not saying that they were bad, but it does. Uh, I don't know. It's a common thing that happens in movies where they try to put racism in like an individual context and take away from the fact that society as a whole is kind of racist. Because that's kind of hard to do in a one hour. Or it two is hour hard movie. to do in a movie. And I'm nitpicking here. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's very I, hard. You're just a cinema like sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree, though. Uh, and I guess that's part of what made me uh, a little uncomfortable watching this. Like, it wasn't a bad um portrayal of of race issues but um it it didn't feel uh i guess all inclusive as mm-hmm. far as uh talking points go um and so but yeah. i feel like you guys also have to remember this was a 90s movie that is true. Like, true i was pretty impressed with it for for early 90s yeah like, for the <laughs> time uh, yeah um, definitely the other thing i'll say is cage and jackson in this movie don't really seem like they're putting their hearts into the roles. There are a couple lines. I, it's like I've seen Jackson do better, obviously, but yeah. like there are a couple of times where he, he didn't sound especially convincing and his like he was just like, you know, I gotta get this scene out and go. But this definitely felt like before Samuel Jackson played Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> this was before he had his character down. Yeah. Like, like I was like, saying, next year was Pulp Fiction, and I think that's really what cemented Jackson as the way he yeah. is. Yeah, but, I feel like he just hadn't really come all the way into his own yet. Uh, and so I had really never seen uh, that side of Samuel L. Jackson, so it just felt weird. Um, 
Yeah. So a little yeah. bit. <clears throat> Not once did he say motherfucker. <laughs> he didn't say motherfucker. He didn't address the snakes on any vehicle <laughs> in the movie. He didn't break my concentration. <laughs> he didn't ask me who looked like a bitch. Uh, and you know what? There's a couple people who look like a bitch in this movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, I think that's what we got for Amos and Andrew. We're going to take a short break, and then we'll be back to you with Looking Glass. Can I install the Zoo Tycoon uh, dinosaur mod and fucking hatch a couple <laughs> eggs on a roller coaster? That's exactly what I well, wanted, was the, the dinosaur bit. Uh, during the Steam Summer Sale, I accidentally picked up a porn game. Accidentally, <laughs> and I'm doing air quotes, because I assume we're recording now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I legit did not know it was a porn game going into it. Was it, uh, is it like a Japanese uh, novel type game? So I was on Reddit, and like reading like what like things people recommend and one of the things people kept recommending was monster girl island mm-hmm. which that's not sexy which i assumed was gonna be like a weird like anime rpg thing is yeah. what they were saying it was so i was like no I'll, I'll try it out and it was free so i was like yeah why not is it still free yeah i think so because sweet a, apparently it's monster <laughs> girl island like prologue apparently like the full game is coming out later i don't know Ooh. uh but it started off and like there's a like you see anime titties right away. But but it was I'm like listening. one it was like one scene and then like it goes on to more story and you don't see like naked women for a while. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's just it's gonna have some nudity in it. Like I'll just play this RPG for a while. And then I started fucking this shark girl. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> and like it's not I'm just taking that sound bite for the record, and I'm using it someplace. <laughs> and then I started fucking the shark girl. <laughs> And, like, I was like, okay, I need to not play this porn game. Yeah. Uh, Can I ask, why can't, why, why, this sounds great, why are you not still playing this game? It doesn't have Steam achievements, so I was like, oh, what's the point? Okay, I would be automatically out. If I don't see achievements, with the Switch, I can deal with it, although I do miss In a porn game, please tell me there's an achievement in some porn game to have an erection lasting more than four hours. (laughs) Where, to hold your erection, you have to tap A on your keyboard repeatedly, so you have to do it for four straight hours. I will say that one porn game I highly recommend to anyone to play is Honey Pop. <laughs> oh, okay. I actually know a bunch of people who play that. It's a good game. I've heard it's really great. Uh, I've been actually thinking about getting into uh, Dream Daddy. I really want to buy Dream Daddy. I, I might grab it for That Switch. was made by the Game Grumps. Don't know what really? Dream Daddy yeah. is. Dream uh, Daddy? It's about a, a dad dating simulator where you yeah. date other dads. Oh. Yeah. And it's, uh, it sounds fun. It, so I, uh, I watched like a playthrough of like the first like 30 minutes of it because I didn't want to watch the rest because I want to play it. Yeah. Uh, it seems like a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to grab Honey Pop, too, because uh, Honey Pop is things. by far the best uh, match three game I've ever played. Oh, wait, those th- those but are the jewel. games like Candy Crush and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's the best one. I would say... <laughs> and uh, then there's titties, too. So yeah. It's like <laughs> I haven't played Honey Pop yet, but I would say it's probably the second best match three game after Garfield Food Truck. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I haven't played Garfield Food Truck, but I hear you talk about it so much that I feel like I have to get in on Do that. you see anime titties in Garfield Food Truck? 
Um, who needs anime titties when you are trying to free the lasagna? Okay. <laughs> I don't need all this sex stuff. The only th- way that Garfield food truck, I think it, what it's missing is a connection to Garfield eats. Has anyone else seen Garfield eats? I need to, I feel like this yes. needs to be more well known. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I believe I have. <laughs> um, why isn't that in Milwaukee? I need a Garfield shaped pizza. Like, uh, <laughs> It's in, I thought it was just in Toronto, or is it? I think they were expanding. No, it started in Dubai. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I think they expanded to Toronto. So, Milwaukee, next place, come on. <laughs> you just us. So we, Milwaukee, oh, California. <laughs> yes, Milwaukee, um, California, obviously. speaking of, uh, it's funny that the Garfield Eats started there, because if I see a Garfield-shaped pizza, my brain says, Dubai. Yeah. <laughs> So through the looking glass, uh, <laughs> this no no just looking glass, not through the. <laughs> oh sorry. Although Alice, we, we are recording, right? <laughs> Dave, wait, did you want me to record all this? Oh shut up! You God were recording it. the whole time, you piece of shit. <laughs> oh no, wait, no, seriously. Yeah, record. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, rolling. Uh, looking glass. 2018 came out last year. Never heard of this. Did never was not of aware it, of it. Did not realize um, that I had already seen this movie. Really? Uh, yeah, it was called Bad Times at the El Royale. Oh, okay. <laughs> was that a good movie? It was. I liked it. It was fun, uh, huh. and uh, it 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 has a, a similar element of like uh, you know peeking through hotel room mirrors. So as soon as that started happening in this movie, I was like, oh, this is. This is Bad Times at the El Royale, oh. but uh, with less of an ensemble cast and... Uh, more of a Nick Cage cast? More of a Nick Cage cast, and n- the characters were not, um, what's the word, consistent in any way. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Looking Glass, 2018. Rated R, uh, directed by Tim Hunter. Oh, and I would like to say, that despite this being rated R and there being a lot of BDSM sex scenes, no nudity at all no nudity and that's but there how are you know pig it was guts. good yeah <laughs> wait there are what there are pig guts <laughs> yes there are pig guts um there is bdsm and um if you're christian close your ears there is lesbianism in this one <laughs> and they're all going to hell for it but yeah um so produced by kirk shaw productions pretty bird which best production name i've ever heard I, yeah I mean, all these parrots I know just rave to me about it. Pretty bird, pretty bird. I'm like, oh, thank you for the, the tip. Uh, also, I like parrots. <laughs> he does like parrots. He spends a lot of time watching cockatoo videos. Uh, hey, birds. not just cockatoos. I oh, get yeah. down on all the parrots. Toucans, too. <laughs> and macaws. <laughs> uh, birds are an abomination. Um, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds is an abomination. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking hate hitch penis. <laughs> but... Silver State Production Services is the last production company. Runtime of 105 minutes, and I was not able to find a budget or a box office gross for this movie. So, I'm not sure this movie even exists. (laughs) So, if the budget and the gross are not released, I generally have to go with, uh, I think this movie was in the red, not in the black. So, hey, looking at our... I think it's a safe bet. (laughs) Looking at our list here... 
after today, seven of 18 Cage films have been in the black. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is it safe to assume that um, if a movie has made money, that number is posted somewhere? Like, when there's no numbers, uh, I don't know which way to lean, but I'm... I'm yeah, I'm going to go with not very much. I'm going to, yeah, lean. Uh, this made, like, between 20 and $40. <laughs> I, yeah, when I see that the... And that's just because they rented out the hotel rooms. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, when I see that the gross isn't posted, it makes me think that the production companies are trying to hide it from the investors. <laughs> but, ah. uh, but um, good point. Reviews: Rotten Tomatoes, Tomato Meter, seventeen percent, audience score of ten percent. I am a little shocked at how low that is. I didn't think this was a great movie, but I, I mean, damn, we've seen worse with better ratings. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't a great movie, but it it kept me pretty captivated. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not keep me captivated. <laughs> That's uh, he winked. He, he didn't mean that. Uh, so, gen- general little trivia notes. I got one. I got one too. I bet it's the same one. You go first. <laughs> this is uh, seems to be based on Gerald Foos. Yep, the same Aur- one. <laughs> An Aurora, Colorado <laughs> motel owner who modified his hotel so he could spy on his guests through ceiling vents. Um, yeah, I feel like. Uh, I would much rather own Cage's motel because nobody wants to. How do you pop one off if you're staring <laughs> down through yeah, a, ceiling. a ceiling? Vent. I mean, it might like seep through the ceiling tiles too. Yeah, like, uh, it's that's just. just yeah. Also, can they not hear you like rummaging around <laughs> above them? Uh, I don't know. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about Gerald Foose, uh, you can look up. There's a New Yorker article titled "The Voyeur's Motel," written by Gay Talese, and uh, it's um. He also wrote a book about it, expanding on the article, and uh, I haven't read it yet, but I do plan on reading it because I'm kind of interested in this I weirdness. I kind of am, too. Apparently, but, there's also a documentary that came out in 2017 called Voyeur. Oh, yeah. Sounds very sexy. So. <laughs> I love watching people getting it on without their knowledge, so. <laughs> That's the one thing and I so hate does, about porn. Uh, is Damon that, uh, Draymond, or whatever the fuck his name is, I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, the one thing you hate about porn is you know they know you're watching they they know i'm gonna watch it um even if they try to make it look like uh the uh talent doesn't know uh, have you uh have you heard of a movie called sliver from the 90s i think uh, you might get off to that too yeah they uh it gives bonuses to all the other slivers yeah <laughs> and yeah, uh from it, they cost like one colorless mana i think too or something like that generally sometimes yeah they go from different places magic, magic the gathering obscure <laughs> reference <laughs> but no slivers just got brought back in modern horizons oh they did mm-hmm. oh, actually I kept up. The, uh, reason, core, the next course that just came out the reason mm-hmm. i stopped playing magic is because uh, i went up against zach sliver deck once and i <laughs> hated the game forever <laughs> my bad <laughs> Um, so, okay, guys, it's the return. I told you it was coming back. We're here for the cage style oh, report part two. Right. I already forgot about it. <laughs> okay, so in this movie here, Cage, he's got some neat, like, circular. <laughs> okay, that's gonna be, be Sorry, weird over the, the runway music. But <laughs> in this, he's got some neat circular glasses that aren't quite like John Lennon circular. They're a little more square. I think they're actually pretty nice looking. They're thin framed. I, you know, I, I, I'd go for it. Um, 
He's got short hair. Looks kind of awkward. It's Nicolas Cage hair. It always (laughs) looks awkward. He's got bad hair and beard in this movie, but honestly... I, I think in my notes, I wrote totally digging his bearded middle-aged man look here and uh, would fuck. Yeah. Would it it'd be so much better if he was just bald? Hmm. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't, he looks he looks very daddish in here, and here he was a dad, and his daughter died, yeah. so you gotta admit that. And, okay, so it, Maybe it's his like daughter a died short... Maybe he wouldn't shave his head. <laughs> it's like a short, balding Elvis pompadour <laughs> type yeah. thing. He's got a thick, full beard. And he's constantly rocking flannels. He's the flannel king here. He's got a brown and red faded flannel. He's got a blue, red, orange cream flannel. He's got like, he also wears a variety of long sleeve Henleys. Why do you know all this? <laughs> because I took notes about it, God damn it. He wears a variety of long sleeve Henleys and from dark gray to, uh, you know, light, kind of lighter gray and white. And uh, he, he wears some dark jeans. He wears some light wash blue jeans and a uh, burnt orange t-shirt. Yeah, that's a good one. Got a lot of baggy '90s looks. Uh, it's a it's a connection to a previous movie, which came out in the '90s. So. It is. Yeah, and uh, there's there's a couple connections actually to uh, the previous movie that I won't get into yet. Uh, a variety of uh, waist length jackets, and uh, that's that's really it. Uh, Cage in this movie, he's 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 got some solid dad style going on, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the end of the Cage Style Report. <laughs> uh, he, he, he did look great in this one, and uh, you could tell that him and his wife weren't fucking, but when they started fucking again, he oh, yeah. was like, I like this flannel. <laughs> <laughs> she, so, she was into that flannel, man. Yeah, so They were both really into it. <laughs> yeah, they fucked pretty hard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the plot summary now that we've gotten uh, the good part. All you fashionistas can tune out now because you know how Cage... But let it keep playing so it still counts as a play. (laughs) Yes. Cage is... has a picture of the outfit. (laughs) Yep. But Cage is a fashion icon. We need to keep up with that. Moving on to the plot summary, though. Cage and his movie wife, who I believe is named Maggie... Yes, played by Robin Tunney from The Craft and Empire Records... And uh, a gif where she exposes her breasts in a movie. I'm not sure. Of, oh, but okay. All I know is she looks really familiar, and I have no idea what she's from. Yeah, I mean that happens with white people. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Robin Tunney as yeah. Maggie. So, oh, did you want to go through the rest of the cast that I cut you off? Um, I don't I, think anyone cares. The only <laughs> other. No, I, Cast member I wrote down was Mark Blucas, who is plays Howard the cop. Because oh, okay. um, I was like, where do I know this guy from? And then I realized that he's uh, the love interest on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's where he's from. Uh, because um, just a quick note: when you said Howard the cop, I was really anticipating Howard the Duck. Continue. <laughs> uh, yeah, Howard the Duck, but if he was a class traitor. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he he plays uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's boyfriend for like a couple seasons, and uh, I fucking hate his character on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I hate his generic ass appearance, <laughs> and seeing him as an older man did not really do much for me, uh, especially with a friggin' badge on. Uh, and so uh, that's all I had for casting. <laughs> there was some other like freaky looking, uh, like. I don't know, truck stop people, but I didn't know any of their names or I I didn't want to ruin the illusion that they were like inbred weirdos. So 
the the truck driver guy for a minute there i thought it was the guy who sold walt guns on breaking bad oh. and then i realized it was not and i was just dumb but <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's not that guy but i would totally have bought him uh being an arms salesman yeah. so but in this movie, he's just a trucker who's addicted to sex and likes hiring hookers. He's a, um, he's a trucker and a fucker. <laughs> I drive a truck and I came to fuck. Uh, but um, and my name you is. Have no idea how many times I've said that in my life. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, Cage and his movie wife are driving around the desert in the American Southwest. I have a feeling this is in Nevada. I don't think it's ever directly addressed. Um, yeah, I think so. And uh, they stop at a motel that they bought. And uh, Cage goes around and checks all the rooms. They're all empty. The guy who sold him it isn't there for some reason. And uh, he gets a weird call from that guy late at night. And the guy's like, yeah, you just have a good time. And, like, I'm not going to... He Cage is like, can you give me an email or a phone number? And he's like, nope, bye. <laughs> he's like, nope. Uh, and, uh, and Cage is like, uh, this, is this place, like, haunted or cursed? And he's like, I, I'm going through a tunnel. <laughs> and he's clearly in a bar. Um, yeah. And uh, so that that happens. Uh, I do want to point out that twice in the space of five minutes, Cage wears his shoes into bed. What what the fuck? No, I, 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 th that's a pet peeve of mine. I don't like shoes on my bed. Of all the don't, it might be Cage shoe bed. <laughs> yeah. But I want to so bad. <laughs> I feel, well, see, at this point in their marriage, they're not really using their bed for anything else. So who gives a fuck? Yeah. Um, but once they become sexually liberated, I'm sure if we go back and check the record, we will notice that he is wearing <laughs> socks in bed. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he twice he lays down with his shoes on the bed sheets. It's going to make him dirty and filthy. Uh, no. But uh, then we get a montage of Cage fixing up the place. He's cleaning out the pool. He's changing the AC filters. He Which makes riveting movie. It does. I mean, hey, man, sometimes you got to watch people clean. <laughs> That's true. He's fixing crooked paintings. I, I bet, like, you know, someone who loves cleaning would really like that scene. Get up to it. So. See, I enjoyed this montage because if you add context to it, um, I was thinking, oh, wow, he's cleaning this pool all the while thinking about how his daughter is dead. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of funny. <laughs> but yeah, he... Uh, so they get their first customer. It's an older guy. He's named Tommy. Oh, he's not the first customer. Oh, yeah. The first customer is hot blonde lady. Prissy. Or something like that. Uh, Hell that yeah. Right. <laughs> and, uh, Nicolas Cage gets a secret boner. Uh, he looks like he's, he's, the gears in his mind are turning, but we learn a little bit more about that. Yeah, and then we, then we meet the, the trucker boy. Oh, yeah, trucker boy named Tommy. He's apparently a regular with the previous guy. Oh, asks for room 10 specifically, which yes. a lot of people do in this movie. They all love that goddamn Everybody room. Everybody loves room 10. Why? I don't know. It's but, really not figured out. Uh, <laughs> I, they, when they try to explain it, they make it seem like that's the room with like a double bed or like yeah. it's just well, I don't know why Chrissy prefers it. The only thing I, she does, but... Uh, the only thing I remembered hearing was like the trucker guy's like, oh, it's like quickest to the parking lot or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he says it's off to the side and he doesn't like waking the other customers yeah. up by pulling in. I don't know. Yeah. I don't and, fucking know. Uh, as you said, he is a regular, which in trucker terms means uh, he's banging hookers uh, in, <laughs> in his hotel room. 
Yep. Uh, but he calls them his daughters. Um, which, which is, is even creepier. Which is <laughs> which makes it a lot creepier because uh, nobody. Nobody has any uh, doubt about what's happening. In this <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so he gives Cage a nice tip that Cage tries to refuse. He's real awkward about it. It's all Cage is pretty awkward for a lot of this movie. That's, yeah. that's a big character defining trait for him. But uh, so he's working in the pool pump room and he finds a little tunnel up top and he's like, huh, that's weird. Crawls up there. And what do you know? It's a two-way mirror in room 10 of the hotel. And uh, it, the mirror that's in room 10, it's actually like a two-way mirror. They can't see in, but you can see out and look right into the room. He sees the cleaning lady leaning there. But uh, he doesn't tell his wife about it because he wants to be a creepy voyeur man. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and do you think the reason that everybody loves uh, room 10 so much is because there's all that weird grunting coming from the mirror <laughs> area? <laughs> see, like, when this... Like, for most of this movie, I thought, like, those people knew. Yeah, I figured they must have known, and that's why they liked the room, but then it yeah, comes but, out at the end that no one fucking knew. Yeah, so I was like, what was the, why is there all this interest? <laughs> I guess, hey, man, I, I bet, um, what's the previous owner, Ben, I think his name was, uh, he probably was like, wow, all these people like Room 10, I can jack off a lot there, <laughs> but, um, so... He goes into that room and then Tommy comes back in and he's like, I'd like to rent room 10 again. And Cage is like, I didn't clean it. And Tommy's like, I don't care. I just love that room. It's going to blast more cum all over the place anyway. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in there and then Cage goes to spy on him for some reason because we all want to see 50 year old <laughs> truckers fuck. And he watches him partying with an older woman to some, like, Mexican banda music. <laughs> yes. There was actually a funny scene here where he's, like, he's uh, peeking through the mirror and he's watching them about to get it on. And there's, like, food on the dresser. And then a dog that you didn't know was there jumps up and starts, like, <laughs> eating the food off the dresser. Yeah. But uh, after that, uh, he and his wife have a bit of an argument about uh, adopting a child. Like, his wife wants to adopt a new child. He's like, I don't want... It's, it'd be like replacing our daughter. I don't want to replace her. And then they, they have a big argument. And Yeah, uh, this, so this is where we learn that... Uh, through this argument, we learn that when their daughter died, Ray was... Uh, Ray, being Cage, uh, was being friendly with the neighbor. Uh, and... His wife, Maggie, was being all high while watching their daughter. Mm -hmm. um, and so now we know that not, not only is Nicolas Cage a creepy pervert who likes to watch, he's also a creepy pervert who likes to sleep around. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> he's got maybe a sex addiction, too. Who knows? Hey, but yeah, you can't be addicted to sex is all I'm saying. <laughs> It's it's freaking uh, it's freaking god given. It's freaking it's like you can be addicted to pills because a doctor made it, but yeah. God made sex. But it's not their fault if they're self diagnosed sex addict. Then they can just cheat, and it's because they're conditioned. Yeah, they that's a good keep point. Going. That's how it works. <laughs> and that is why I'd like to declare myself a sex addict <laughs> right here and now. Ooh. You covering your ass. <laughs> Hopefully your girlfriend doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> uh, let's see. This is episode 11. She'll have tapped out by then. <laughs> um, so he. Um, uh, Cage. 
Tommy shows up again and he's trying to rent out room 10, but Cage is like, I've already rented it out. And Tommy's like, no, but I like that movie. And then Cage is like, hey, I know you fucking in there. Like, these aren't your daughters. That was like a 50 year old Mexican lady. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'm a sex addict and I'm married, uh, but. Like, I just gotta fuck every night because my <laughs> wife doesn't like fucking, so I gotta find some people to fuck. And Cage and is it, like, you know what? You're paying me. I don't care. What you do with your room is your business. And he's like, you're a good guy, Cage, man. <laughs> if it helps, I legally adopt them before I fuck them. <laughs> so it's uh, not a lie when I call them my daughters. <laughs> and Cage is like, that's not the part we were upset with. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Tommy's like, found your report card <laughs> little sis but, um, and then she gets stuck in the window <laughs> he's gotta help her out by bumping up against her be rubbing with his waist that's, and that's then his dick just it. falls out oh, whoops <laughs> but uh cage goes and spies on room 10 after that which has a lesbian couple doing some bdsm and uh, then he's he's real turned on by that. He goes and he gets it on with his wife, and he they they're pretty vigorous. The heck out of her. <laughs> that and, language, uh, though. Yeah. So Cage is a creeper in this one, but um, as they're getting it on, it cuts repeatedly back to in the other room. BDSM lady leaves, and a guy in, or somebody in all black and a ski mask comes in and kills the other lady. Let me just check my notes here. Um, while he is giving his wife the hammer, <laughs> hot lady in room 10 is getting murdered by a masked figure. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, Maybe you should read your notes, because they sound a lot more colorful than mine. Um, well, my, the next part of my notes is we meet the sheriff, who is a dude from Buffy, yeah. um, with the most boring face of all time, uh, but, you know... Oh, yeah. She loves who she's going to love, you know? She's an independent woman, and she's in college now, and she's going to slay these vampires and still be in college. Yeah. Sorry, spoilers for season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I will say, I love Angel, but, like, Angel is not good for Buffy. An well, first of all, Angel's like a thousand-year-old man who's preying on yeah. a high school girl. Uh, yeah. So that's one thing. Uh, and also... I'm just not I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. I just I will say I love it when he goes to the Smithsonian and he helps them solve crimes using bones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really great done. And he marries Zoe De Chanel's sister. Yeah. So and and then he, Wait, are, you, are you talking about Night at the Museum starring? No, I'm starring talking about ben Bones. Bones. <laughs> oh well. well. The what about when Robin Williams uh you know, is Teddy Roosevelt, and he's, like, three inches tall. And, and he's like, like, you never got a friend like me. Yeah. <laughs> but then but then his uh, mom sends him to Bel Air. Yeah. And you can, you can see freaking getting a big old fight in there. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Aladdin, what if we call you Al, or maybe just in? Okay, so speaking of... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Speaking of bones and three inches tall, <laughs> Nicolas Cage is banging his wife. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, ne the next morning, too, he go uh, Cage goes in room 10. He found that the key got dropped in the mid the overnight return box, and he goes and looks in room 10, and it's all cleaned up, and nothing's wrong. There ain't no body, and he doesn't even know the murder happened. Yeah, oh. and there's, a, there's a, a nice post-it note on the door that says, no murder here. <laughs> uh, the sheriff 
from Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> he shows up, yeah. and uh, he's What's... like, hey, hey, um, I used to stop here for free coffee when the other guy worked here, so can I continue to come here every single day? And get coffee? And could you just have the coffee made, please? <laughs> <laughs> Until uh, Nicolas Cage says, hey... Uh, it's like a thousand degrees outside. <laughs> you're a fucking psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> and the cops like, maybe you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, they do get a callback to that. He's like, hey, so I got iced tea. Now. You heard of this? <laughs> you heard of this iced tea? <laughs> Who would have thought that hot drinks on a hot day don't go together? <laughs> wow. We're in the boiling hot desert, and I don't have to drink boiling hot brown juice. <laughs> um. So the sheriff uh, wants to welcome him to the town, and he says, people in this town up and leave all the time without word or warning. And uh, that never really comes back again. But, but. He stares off into the distance <laughs> and loads a gun. Yeah. Um, uh, so then Cage and his wife go out in the town for a bit, come back, find a dismembered pig body in their pool. And oh, yeah. So when Cage pulls it out of the pool, he finds a photo in it, like a full color, like headshot photo of a high school graduate who I think was the lady who was murdered. Or I, I think that I don't know if they ever addressed that, but I, that's what I assumed. Yeah, it well, looked like her. I thought that at first, too. But then they said, like, in like the next scene or whatever, how he finds out, oh, someone else was murdered here like yeah it might have been that too so that, then i thought like maybe it was that person mm -hmm. oh yeah but i have no I thought that's who, idea i thought that's who we were talking about yeah uh so yeah we, we he finds the pig in the pool and then we it, it learn... says chrissy on the back of the photo too oh okay um but yeah they, he takes the pig body out to the desert and he burns it Tommy is waiting for him when he returns. He's like, what, what are you doing? I'm trying to fuck my daughter. Trying <laughs> 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 to fuck my daughter in here, and you are out doing God knows what. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he tells Cage, like, oh, yeah, you had a weird pig? That sounds kind of like that lady who died in the pool. She got, like, <laughs> She was a weird pig, up. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she was trying to climb over a fence and cut herself up real bad during it and died in the pool. Because uh, she was trying to get in the pool after hours, but it wasn't Ben's fault because he locked the pool. No connection. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to go fuck my daughter now. So. <laughs> um, sheriff comes the next day, tells him, like, hey, the park ranger found the burnt remains of that pig. <laughs> Why was everyone so upset about this pig? I, like, I don't know. It's like, like <laughs> one guy burns a pig in the middle of the desert and the entire fucking town knows yeah, like, <laughs> It was very strange. Yeah, so the, he finds out from the sheriff, and he's like, uh, more about the dead girl, and he's like, is, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, a dead pig, it's kind of like a dead girl that died here before I got here, right? Isn't that weird? And then the sheriff's like, yeah, well, that girl definitely didn't kill herself, and she was like a drifter, and uh, yeah, she's dead, and then he's like, did you do it? <laughs> and Cage is like, do what? And he's like, did you do it? And Cage is like, did I do what? <laughs> did you do it? The the pig? Did you do it? <laughs> weird yeah, scene. Very uh, weird scene. Uh, I thought Nick Cage was actually super weird at this, where he's like getting more and more worried that he like did something. But it's like, yeah, he you didn't do anything. <laughs> throughout that whole scene, it definitely seemed like he was hiding something, even though he wasn't. Yeah. Or maybe he was like, did I? Do it? <laughs> did I kill that girl and just forget about it? Yeah, uh, that's this is the point where 
the movie starts getting really weird and surreal. And I gotta say, I generally like that in movies. I like weird surrealism type shit that's going on. I normally do when there's a plot that is good. Yeah, I can see that. Um, going through my notes again here, like I had a better impression of this movie. And now that I'm going back through and seeing all the things I wrote down, I was like, wow, that was a thing that went nowhere. Wow. That's yeah. a thing that makes no sense. Like, yeah. That's the thing uh, I was going to bring up when we get close to the end is like, we're skipping a bunch of scenes because they have no relevance and don't matter. Yeah, yeah. And there's so, I feel like this movie was trying to do like, oh, like here's a red herring or something. Cause like they bring up like these kids are like uh vandalizing a bunch of shit and it's just like oh these kids might be up to something nah yeah forget about it they don't really yeah they don't follow through on any of the red herrings because like or the people across the street yeah Yeah. who are (laughs) the they're an obvious red herring which makes it worse because like the the problem with this movie is that there's not enough characters in it there's like three four people and and they don't build on like any of them yeah. yeah It's like they're trying to throw you onto so- uh, onto something else, but they don't actually like give those people enough screen time to make it any sort of you know yeah yeah you would suspicion think... that you could have. You can't build a case in your head because you don't yeah. know anything about these people. <laughs> and you would think a movie about a guy killing hookers, yeah. the guy who is buying hookers every night might be a suspect. But yeah, nah. yeah we'll just he's he just, was just the chum. Who... He's just fucking his daughters <laughs> yeah. he's just fucking his daughters he's uh sometimes gently nudging the story along by being like yeah some girl fucking died in there yeah <laughs> uh, but like the people across the street who we haven't even mentioned because the it doesn't matter it doesn't it, like you you see them and then you forget that they even exist until the next time you see them which i think is like one other time and like like i said it's it's obviously supposed to be a red herring because they're fucking weird and creepy Mm -hmm. and they're the type of people that you'd be like yeah he killed a woman (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well i feel like with a lot of those people across the street and or at the gas station and like the kids who were hanging out there i feel like they were trying to give a vibe like the whole town is in on this together somehow and they never followed through with that either none of it ended up mattering but um but anyways, I guess to get back into the plot summary a little bit, uh, BDSM lesbian lady, uh, Chrissy, uh, she, uh, she shows up again, asks for room 10 again. There's some awkward sexual tension between her and Cage, and uh, he <clears throat> he goes... I, does he spy on her again, or is that another yeah, scene? Yeah, because uh, there's a new girl there, then. That, yeah. And that's where he sees the boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sees the boots of a guy sitting in the corner who's watching them, not from behind a mirror like he is, and that that guy's weird because he doesn't bother to hide behind a mirror. Well, he probably <laughs> but, paid for it. Yeah, that's true. They know he's there, uh, which makes it uh, way less problematic. <laughs> but uh, he's awoken the next day to the cleaning lady screaming uh, over at room 10, and we're kind of led to believe, oh shit, there's been a murder and we found a body there, but nope, it's a black snake in the bathtub. And I actually thought that was a pretty nice fake-out. I thought that, I, as far as, like, fake-outs go in scary movies, usually they're, like, some stupid jump scare, because a guy walks up and, like, taps you on the back and is like, hey, I'm your friend, why are you so freaked out and tense? Is it because of all this scary music? (laughs) Yeah. I, I feel like you keep referring to this movie as a scary movie, and I don't get the scary movie vibe at all. I like this seemed like generic thriller to me. It seems it feels horrorish to me in its atmosphere and vibe. And I guess I guess I would put it less as horror and more like, did you ever see Nightcrawler? Yeah. Um, 
I, it kind of reminded me of that in its vibe, but it's been a while since I've seen Nightcrawler, so maybe I'm conflating it in my head somehow. But To me, it felt like they were trying to do like that thriller kind of style, but failing at it mm. and like getting things like wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I enjoyed the atmosphere. Like I thought the writing was bad and the characters were terrible. Yeah. But uh, I genuinely wasn't sure where things were going to go. And then eventually stuff gets off the rails. But um, I don't know. For a, for a lot of the movie, I was, uh, I was interested to see what was going to happen. And hoping that it wasn't going to be some dumb bullshit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But that was just wishful thinking, I guess. I don't know. I, I, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't great, though. I, I don't know. Yeah. And those are my final thoughts. <laughs> But uh, they see on the then they see on the news that the lady who was in their room has been found dead, and uh, the cop shows up. Or Cage like runs off somewhere uh, yeah. for the whole day. We don't know where he goes that day. It's not told. Isn't that the one where he goes to the bar? No, he actually comes back for that later, then leaves again. Oh, it's <laughs> weird for some reason. But the cop shows up and asks some uh, Cage or Maggie some questions about Cage. And then a BDSM lady shows up again. She's asking for room 10. And then she's like, Maggie, she says to Maggie, is this your, is this your husband? You better keep an eye on that guy. I bet he's fucking around. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So she has uh, two people in one swoop, uh, kind of plant the idea in her head that her, uh, husband is, uh, some kind of weird, either sex freak or murder freak. We don't know. So Cage comes back late at night and sees BDSM lady is there. So, uh, so this is, I'm sorry. He sees BDSM ladies there. Then also he sees, uh, the kids throw the paint on the side of his wall. That's where we have that stupid scene that really ends up going nowhere where the whole town seems to be against him. Like the people are like, everyone here knows everybody except you. And the kids are standing there seeming creepy red herring that goes nowhere because they don't even build on it. Yeah. Um, then he sees her leaving. So he gets into his truck and follows her to a bar on the edge of town. He sees her sitting there and he goes up to her and he's like, I know you were with that dead girl that night. And she acts weird and like comes on to him and then is like, you know what? No, leave, get out of here. And then bouncer starts beating the shit out of him until cage pulls a gun that I didn't even know he had. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, then he threatens the bouncer and he just points it at the lady and says, stay away from my motel. You are not welcome there. So, I don't know where the gun came from, but um, that's uh, that's the gun he um, shot his daughter in the head. with. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he comes home and his wife accuses him of cheating on her. Uh, she says the cop was asking questions about him about the night the lady stayed here. And uh, she locks herself in the bathroom and we get some serious domestic dispute here because he kicks the door down yeah. and she's taking pills, which he takes away and just flushes them down the toilet. Then, and then he throws her in the shower? Yeah, he pushes her into the shower and says, you need to chill. <laughs> or cool down and turns the water on and starts, and she's, she like flips out and like, she seems to calm down for a second, but then flips out, pushes him away and goes on the bed and they have sudden angry sex. Yes. <laughs> Very uncomfortable sex after all that we've just witnessed. After domestic violence just happened. But, um, so then the next morning, uh, his wife is up and packing. She says, like, I'm leaving for my mom's cabin. Uh, 
I know you're lying to me and cheating on me, and if you're going to cheat on me, all right, but just stop lying to me about it. And then he's like, no, you have to stay. There's a double mirror. And yeah, I'm wait a, people fuck. And, wait a second. I'm not cheating on you. I'm just watching people have sex. <laughs> yeah. Is it better or worse? Uh, See, I think it's, it's a little worse because it's a crime. <laughs> yeah, I would say I, they're, they're both... Pretty bad uh, in their own way. But I mean, like, for their marriage. Oh, for, for their marriage, I would say it's not as bad, necessarily. <laughs> yeah. But... In a court of law, it's going to be worse. And, and it's definitely worse for the people who are being watched and don't know. <laughs> it yeah. definitely just seemed like, though, like, it was, like, a weird transition to be yeah. like, I'm sorry, but I need to take a break from you. Well, I'm watching people have sex. Yeah. Well, I th- he Gosh, also, dang it. He also confesses in that time, well, yeah, yeah, I'm not cheating on you. And also, I think something weird went on in this room. Like, uh, something with the murder was going on there. And she's like, okay. And they board up the hallway. Well, they cover it up with, like, a yeah piece of cloth. Because that I- will prevent people from going in there. <laughs> hey, my boner can't break through that. <laughs> and then uh, the sheriff shows up and hangs out with Cage while Cage is cleaning up in the room with the double mirror, room 10. Cop says he really needs to talk to Ben, the guy who sold the place, and he just can't get a hold of him. Like, Cage, you got this? You got to help me. And he's like, he knows, he says he knows about Cage's past of domestic disputes and cheating and their daughter dying because of negligence and a dead, or his wife being addicted to drugs. And he's like, I know all that. And it's kind of like implying that he's like blackmailing him into helping him find yeah. Ben. So, but like, blackmailing for what yeah everybody knows like this was like in the news for like wherever they were like and it's not they weren't charged with negligence yeah there's just like there's rumors of negligence it seemed like uh if anything maybe he was trying to uh frame nicholas cage for the death of his daughter or something yeah (laughs) but uh so he he believes ben did something and he wants cage's help so cage tells him also about chrissy bdsm lady and says, like, she's pretty weird. You should look into that. And he's like, all right. So then Cage frantically finds a way to talk to Ben. He goes through a bunch of different call numbers after the cop leaves. Yes. After the cop leaves. Sorry. And uh, he calls Ben and finally Ben's like, hey, don't talk to me. Meet me at this spot in the desert. All right. Bye. <laughs> Immediately hangs up. Cage drives out there meets with Ben, who walks out with a Geiger counter for some reason. Never explained. Don't understand it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. See, like, there's so much of this movie where it's just like, what was the point of doing any of this? Yeah. Because, like, he walks out to the desert, meets him, and he's like, yeah, the, uh, sorry, I was a lawyer. And <laughs> he's like, okay. And then he just gets shot. <laughs> yeah, that was... He, he gets literally sniped out of nowhere in the middle it, of the desert. Yeah, just killed. And, uh... You don't know who did it. You're kind or of why. Led, yeah, or why. <laughs> You're kind of led to believe later it might be the cop, but it, it wouldn't really work the timeline have to line be out. in two places at once. Yeah. So, so it was definitely one of the creepy inbred kids across the street. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't the cop that killed him? I mean, I, I thought it was I, the cop that I killed think him. It's I supposed assumed to be. it would have had to have been the cop, but it doesn't make sense because when Cage gets back, the cop's already there, and they had to travel the same amount of distance, and the cop was somewhere in the hills or wherever. So... I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it just does. It's it doesn't line up, mm-hmm. so it's kind of confusing. But uh, so yeah, uh, 
Ben also before he was shot was saying to Cage like you got to get out of there you got to leave just get your wife and leave man it's a terrible place <laughs> but then he gets shot mid but like why I, I don't like know. that's what I still don't understand is like they're is it... trying to imply that like bad things happen there or whatever but like mm-hmm. all we know about is one girl who died in the pool yeah which I mean yes that's bad mm-hmm. but like in the life of a motel yeah that's bad fine. things are gonna happen at most yeah. motels I yeah Maybe he was referring to all the trucker jizz in room 10. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, even like that, like, it seemed like he was just admitting to, like, yeah, I watch people fuck. And it's like, okay, you can. Bad things happen in this town. And I'm the cause of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, jack off to them all the time. (laughs) Like, it it sounded like he was implying, like, the hotel's, like, haunted or some shit like that, where I thought it was going to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. But then, no, no. It's just, no. (laughs) Was it not haunted? Was it not? Haunted? It's haunted it, with the ghosts of all the children that could have been born if that trucker <laughs> didn't pull out. <laughs> but he has so many daughters. <laughs> he, he does. He does have a lot and of He daughters. could have so many more, but <laughs> he could have granddaughters. <laughs> granddaughters that I bet are pretty hot. And he could <laughs> but um, so uh, he goes back and finds his place in the motel because his you know, they live on site at the motel. It's torn apart. The sheriff's car is in the parking lot and his wife is gone. He can't find her. So he goes, he sees somebody's in room 10 because he sees the blue lights on that are always in there. He sneaks in through the secret mirror room and starts looking and he sees his wife is tied up there and the sheriff's holding her hostage saying like, well, I wanted to kill your husband in front of you and then fuck you. But I guess, I guess I can't do that now. So I'm just going to fuck you. <laughs> and then, uh, Cage breaks through the mirror and tackles the cop. They have, uh, the cop sees the mirror and says, so that's how Ben knew what I did. So I guess like the whole Ben was trying to get out cause he knows the cop is in on some murders or something. Yeah. And, uh, after a struggle, Cage shoots the cop, frees his wife. They get in his truck and leave. But while they're trying to leave, Tommy shows up and he's like, Hey, is room 10 free? <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to fuck my daughters. <laughs> And uh, they that's the end of the movie. They drive away while a bunch of people stare at them. And <laughs> that's it. Um, this movie had like we cut out so many scenes because they're all garbage. Like, I don't know how many times we had a scene where Nick Cage is standing in front of the window. Yeah, there's a lot of that. A lot. Of yeah. That. For like yeah. long periods of time. Yeah, there's a scene where his wife even s- watches catches him, him like, watch the window watching through hot lady's window. Yeah. She's like. This boy ain't right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, my overall overall thoughts on this movie. Um, writing was pretty bad. Characters not well drawn out. But the cinematography was really nice. There were a lot of yeah. good shots and framing, good like semi-long takes. And I do kind of like drawn out movies that are atmospheric. And uh, this has a good atmosphere to it. It just doesn't deliver and utilize that atmosphere in a very good way (laughs) which for me is a detriment to this movie Uh because you're drawing me in with these nice shots and everything looking really good but then it's all shit like it's all bad and it's just like why did you put all this effort into this Mm -hmm. i guess the director's like hey i can't do anything about this script (laughs) i'll just try and make it look pretty well these uh i can't rewrite um the wife of the main character who's completely inconsistent and uh and useless yeah yeah um, and uh, 
What does she do for the motel? Nothing. I, I Well, they really didn't even have her there. Very, I feel like she was only there for the last scene when the cop is, like, pulling her in. Otherwise, her character didn't really do much at because all. Because Cage runs the front desk. Uh-huh. He fixed up the place. Yeah. He cleaned the place. <laughs> like, and what she, she wants do? equal pay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. But yeah, her character feels almost kind of superfluous. Like she didn't really need to be there at all for much of the movie. Um, a lot, some scenes feel kind of awkward in like a student film way. Yeah. But I wonder sometimes if some of the awkwardness wasn't what they were trying to go for with the atmosphere. I know, like, well, now I'm going to start talking about something else random. But I've, if you, well, have you ever seen Mulholland Drive by David Lynch? That movie, just every scene feels incredibly awkward, but it's definitely planned, and it's definitely a thing that they're trying to do to build a weird atmosphere. This movie, I don't know if they were trying to do that or not. They tried to make Cage seem kind of awkward and creepy, I guess, to up his creeper vibes when he's voyeuring people through yeah. the mirror, but uh, but it's it's all kind of weird. I don't know. I felt like this movie didn't really have an identity of what it wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like sometimes it was trying to do the thriller movie where it's like, who's killing these hookers. But then it was also trying to be like, uh, like this is the life of a voyeur kind of thing. Yeah. When it's like, okay, but like, you're not telling anything about that. You're just showing Nick cage. Watch some people do it. <laughs> yeah. Don't even show him jacking off. Even though, you know, he's, he's doing it. Yeah. So. So I guess my overall thoughts are cool premise, good atmosphere, not the best execution of the premise, but not awful. I didn't think it was awful. I thought it was awful. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think it was. I mean, every, pretty much everything you said is valid, um, mm. but I, I mean, I didn't hate it. Like I said, it, it kept me interested until the point where the the ending was just like sloppily thrown together. Um, yeah. And... I don't the know. Ending kind of felt like a cop out. Like, <laughs> and yeah, like I don't, I don't know who we were supposed to think could have been doing this. It, like, it, were we supposed to believe that it was someone that hadn't been introduced, or like it was only yeah. pointing towards the cop? Yeah, because yeah, like, there's nobody else. There's a yeah. couple people that kind of brush by, and then there's the trucker guy, but he's really just fucking horny. And he <laughs> did like. It, I guess it could have been a twist, uh, kind of, if he was the killer. But, um, you know, I, I just wanted him to, you know, get his nut off. <laughs> so Him and his daughters. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So All I got to are... say is, Nicolas Cage, uh, if you just assume that the murder is uh, the cop in the first place, <laughs> yeah. like you should, this, you could have avoided all this. Yeah. It, it usually is in movies like this anyway, so it's like... Yes, but it's, so this is the common theme between these two movies I was going to bring up. It's, uh, the cops are, uh, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. A cab. A cab. In the house. But, um... So, I guess we've gone through our thoughts on both of these movies. Shall we bring it to a vote? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like we need a, a countdown. Oh yeah. And engineer Dave, can we get a little countdown going? Nah. All right. You're fucking you're yeah, happy, happy birthday, asshole. Yeah, you stupid son of a bitch. Why hope don't you, you like, count down from your birthday? I hope he likes that's the how last many... paycheck he got for his birthday. Yeah. 
Yeah, why don't you... Am I sensing a bit of hostility? Uh, it, count down till you're friggin' on the unemployment line. How's that? <laughs> I mean, I was the one who could count to 11 at the beginning of this fucking episode. <laughs> All right, well, here, I'll count it. Three, two, one. Looking glass. <laughs> okay, we got one vote for Captain Corelli's mandolin. I think that takes it. It's advancing again. No, 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 no. So Dave uh, died on his birthday <laughs> will be the headline. Um, because I don't remember if you guys heard the song or not, but Captain Corelli's mandolin sucks <laughs> and is the worst movie of all time. I did hear that. I disagree, but I can respect the artist, uh, <laughs> even though I disagree with them. I just said, I'm just thinking about it now, how we always say who we vote for at the end at the same time. That must suck to listen to because <laughs> I don't even know what everyone voted for. Oh, yeah. I voted for Amos and Andrew. I okay, believe. me too. I voted for Looking Glass. You did vote for Looking Glass. So that's what I heard. Um, now, see, when I went into this episode, literally started recording this, this was the first time where I was like, I don't think I know which one I'm going to vote for. And it wasn't until we went through Looking Glass that my opinion started to kind of change a bit as I looked through my own notes and was kind of pointing out like, wow, okay, this is a thing that didn't matter and didn't go anywhere. It's like, there yeah. was a whole bunch of stuff in there where I was going through it again. I was like, okay, it made me kind of reevaluate the movie a little bit, I guess, in a way yeah. that I hadn't. And I will say done. I did do some, uh, internal reevaluating of the movie while we were shitting all over it. <laughs> and yeah, it's a bad movie, <laughs> but, um, I do dig the atmosphere and the visuals. I, I if I ever make atmosphere. a horror movie, that, I'll probably steal some shit from but this. But that but. alone doesn't make a good movie. Yeah. It's the best ripoff of Bad Times at the El Royale that <laughs> I have seen this year. So I haven't seen that movie, but if, if it's like this movie, but better, I'd watch it. <laughs> it's worth a watch. It's a, it's a fun movie. Hmm. So watch Amos and Andrew and, and Bad Times at, at the El Royale. Um, and... Uh, hold on here. I gotta bring up the bracket again because I don't recall what the next two are off the top of my head. Oh, that's a good call. Usually I check that beforehand, but I suck at this. Um, <laughs> yeah. so you're telling me you don't have it memorized for every single one? I you know, did for about a week. Movies, I, I, so <laughs> I mean, it can't be that bad. Um, so next week it is inconceivable versus two eleven. Inconceivable. <laughs> 211. 211, which is like 911, but uh, seven months earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was the planning phase of Al Qaeda uh, <laughs> featuring George W. Bush. I don't think that's going to make the final edit. <laughs> so, um, Al Qaeda did anything wrong. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> Actually, just put that in at the beginning. <laughs> Oh, believe me, I got some good sound bites from this one. Him saying Al Qaeda did nothing wrong. You said, so then I'm fucking a shark girl. <laughs> and then, I, you know what? I don't see anything wrong with saying that you're fucking a shark girl, as long as both parties consent. <laughs> I just want to say her name is Mako, and that is great. Can the shark girl even consent? Is she more shark or human? I don't know that a shark can consent. This might be a bad time to bring it up, but she kind of rapes you in the game. Oh, okay. So I'm not on her side. Um, And also, if this game wanted to be a little bit more realistic, I feel like the shark shark girl would have been a white woman. So... uh, (laughs) Arlo left the band again. (laughs) Oh, god damn it. What, What... 
how does this much change happen in the space of like two hours? We're talking about a group of men with strong personalities who also hate each other. Uh -uh. How many times uh, do the members quit the band when we're not here? Because <laughs> if, if it's the same frequency, they need like a group therapist. They need well, to do it's like been a, a couple, just to inform the audience, it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded because I've been in Europe doing the Scandinavian leg of the, uh, the tour. Yeah, he was, and, uh, he was uh, doing a hedonism. On a daily basis, somebody quits. It's a rough situation. You know, um, I understand it and I respect them for it, but, um... You know, it looks like we're looking for a vocalist yet again, which is how we closed out, I believe, the last episode, or maybe that was the episode think, before. Yeah, that was two back, I think, but it's it's uh, rough there. What's Is Arlo back to his folk singing? Well, yeah, he's been focusing a lot on the folk singing, but yeah, he had a big disagreement with John. Uh, excuse me, Kits. He prefers not to be called John. They always put that on. That was, he is threatening to quit as well because people keep referring to him as John Kits and not just Kits. Uh -huh. um, which, you know, it's a complicated situation. I understand because he's, uh, he's a monster behind the kit and he wants to be recognized for that. And I get it. Um, it's just, you know, it's a challenge. It really is a challenge to get all these guys on the same page. Yeah. I just feel it bad for the like people who have to fucking edit their Wikipedia page. Yeah, seriously. Every time they break up and get back together. You know, sometimes they have those graphs on Wikipedia where it has a bar for like, yeah. this member played this instrument for that time. Just they, like, they would be like the same bars up to this point, but just have a bunch of holes in them. Yeah. Randomly. So, uh. It's a tricky situation. It really is. I mean, editing the Wikipedia even, you know, I agree. The graph has been just totally out of control at this point. Uh, have they well, considered... They say, I'm sorry. What were you gonna say? Oh, um, I was gonna say, as as they say, it's tricky to rock a rhyme. To rock a rhyme, that's right on time. It's it's tricky. It's tricky. It's pretty tricky. Um, but have they considered like a a group therapy setting, like a some kind of monster situation? Oh yeah, we can film it. Yeah, we tried to do that, and Vincent hit somebody in the head with a bottle, if you recall. Oh, oh yes, right. Mm. I do recall that. And then who was it that was huffing nitrous in the basement? I don't, uh, was that not you? Or was that, somebody in the, that was somebody in the band. It was Vincent. Uh, that was, yeah. <laughs> well, national pleasures and strife, but we have had a good time recording this one, I would say. So I, I don't think we're breaking more. up anytime soon, except Dave. He might be gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, he's been off the payroll uh, legally for... Four weeks now, so... I don't what? Think, I don't think he's noticed. We actually haven't sent him a check in, like, three months. Don't, I've been sending don't, him Don't bring it up while he's listening. Money. Don't bring it up while he's listening. I, don't want to... I mean, I'm making good money from National Pleasure, but... <laughs> also, a bit of a stretch to assume that he's listening, just because he's... <laughs> That is true. <laughs> Anyways. Well, best of luck to those boys, and um, I just know that each and every one of them is in the G-Force gang. G-Force uh, gang. And, uh... Nick's coming around. Oh, fuck. Nick's coming around. <laughs> it's catchy. It's catchy, I'll say that. I, it's like, I want... Can I be a member of the G-Force gang that hates G-Force? Nope. No, uh, because G-Force is, uh, the most wholesome thing that has ever been. G-Force is life. G-Force is life. G-Force is my spirit animal. Um, and, uh... I've actually mirrored my life according to G-Force. Oh, uh, well, I Nick, now, if you want to start the D-Force gang, I'm in. <laughs> All right. I now, uh, 
I don't drive to work. I just get a giant hamster ball. Black. Oh, nice. Um, I actually uh, I live in a pet store now. Oh, so that I I was gonna do that, but like the rent was too high. The rent was too (laughs) damn high. We should make a party about that. (laughs) I think we're done here. (laughs) Hey, bye bye. See you next time. Captain Corelli's mandolin sucks. Bitch. This has been a solid work production. Solid work. Solid work. Uh, Solid work. Hey, solid solid work. work.